0: Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now on SciFiPulseRadio.com. For this episode, I'm going to hand right over to Julian Chambliss, who's um, got another Beyond Impossible uh, interview. Um, Beyond Impossible is a a segment that we've been doing um, relating to um, artists from various minority ethnic backgrounds and this week Julian's talking to uh, Tim Fielder so I'm going to hand you right over to Julian.
2: This is Julian Chambliss with Beyond Impossible, an interview project with creators of color. The title Beyond Impossible is inspired by the idea that when creators of colors imagine in the public sphere, it can sometimes seem beyond what's possible. Today, I'm talking with Tim Fielder, who is an African American illustrator, concept designer, cartoonist, and animator, born and raised in Carstyle, Mississippi. He's a lifelong fan of Afrofuturism, Hope Entertainment, and action films. He holds- Uh, Afrofuturist artists like Samuel Delaney, Stephen Barnes, and Octavia Butler as major influences on his work. And over the years, he's worked in storyboards, storyboarding, film visual development, games, comics, and animation for companies such as Marvel Comics, Tristar Pictures, and Ubisoft Entertainment. He's also served time as an educator working at institutions like New York University and New York Film Academy. The reason I wanted to talk to, to, to Tim is because His new graphic novel, Maddie's Rocket, is an Afrofuturist tale that blends elements of pulp adventure serials and classic science fiction tales with a deep understanding of the African-American experience. Tim, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today.
1: Thank you for uh, uh, having me, Dr. Shambliss. I appreciate it. Can I call you Dr. Shambliss or do you, you know... Is that appropriate, or should I stick with
2: Julia? You can call me Julian. You don't have to call me Doctor Chandler.
1: Okay. You know, you work hard for that degree, man. I appreciate that.
2: I appreciate that. Well, I want to get right into it and and ask you a question uh, that's really sort of inspired by my interest in your work and my interest in uh, comics work and how I think your work sort of like uh, really taps into some deep deep trends. So I think, like, historically, when we when we think about the Black Im- imagination, it's been a powerful tool to help reshape the Black experience and shape the Black experience. I see your work as an example of that. So I would really like you to talk about your artistic influences and some of the things that inspired you in creating a, a work like Maddie's Rocket. All
1: right. Um... You know, it's one of those things where you know, as you get older, your influences alter uh, because you know my 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 outlook on on who influenced me has now changed from who influenced me to how I was influenced. So that's become a more important thing for me right now. Right now, uh, I, you know, and it also requires a bit of honesty and self reflection and and seeing that, you know, as the type of artist I am, you know, I, I, I left it for a while, but I am a sequential artist. Okay. I'm a sequential art, That's what I do. I'm a comic book artist. I'm a storyboard artist. I'm a uh, concept designer. But it's all about telling stories in sequence, you know. So all of these things are related. But out of all those different branches of sequential art, whether it be storyboard, film, uh, animation, uh, the one, the first love is is comics. That's 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 what I do. You know, Sylvester Stallone makes great action films. Don't put him in a comedy, but he can do an action film. That's <laughs> what. But he does. what I'm doing uh, now and now just older uh, and more uh, more introspective about what the medium is and what it is that I want to do. Uh, and uh, a little bit less uh, encumbered by other ideas. I'm more concerned about my own ideas. i really getting those out. And uh, in terms of influences, uh, Mobius okay. was the Mobius and Michael Golden were the core Core influences within comics that really changed the way I looked at it. I mean, there's obviously Kirby, but that was like the way for Kirby for everybody. But when I saw the world different, and when I went, oh my God, this can be different, definitely uh, a Mobius and Michael Gold. Uh, they're the ones who, you know, anything they did, you know, was like the master class. That's how you do it. And, uh, you know, in very, very close seconds and thirds, like Richard Corbin, uh, uh, you know, who, you know, had the interest you know to talk to very very briefly by internet recently because it's 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 you know as I'm getting older and some of these other cartoons who have had such an effect on me I, I'm less afraid to reach out to them now they're like you know I want to talk to Richard Corb. <laughs> you know, hey Richard, how you doing? I talked to you in about fifteen years. I don't know if you remember it or not. Blah blah blah. And you know, if he writes me back a one-line note, that's like that means the world to me. Remember? uh and so that really leads down to uh when you're talking about the black imagination and voices, uh, there was a certain type of artist that I knew that when they were doing their work, they were bringing one thousand. We're not bringing fifty. They we'ren't bringing seventy-five. They're bringing like the full game. You know, you know, uh, when you're looking at Corbin at his absolute best in Ben and in some of his other stories, Bloodstar, this guy is bringing the height of comic art, sequential storytelling. And I wanted to do that. I wanted to do something like that. That when you were looking at, you knew you were not just looking at a regular comic. You were looking at Van Desenet. You know, when you're looking at, uh, a, particularly the first part of Link Cows by Jodorowsky and Mobius, you're looking at Mobius at his best. You know, when you're know you, you know, at Tight Garage, you're looking at him at his best. And that's what I wanted to do with Matty's Rocket. Now, this is not to suggest that I'm on those guys' levels, but I'm damn sure trying to aspire to be on that level. So with
2: with Maddie's Rocket, I probably want to let the listeners know a little bit about the story because I've read uh, the graphic novel. I picked it up at the uh, Sean Burr's Black Comic Book Festival. Great, great work, great art. Really interesting. Thank story. God. <laughs> Um, But, like, if if you were to give someone an elevator pitch of uh, Maddie's Rocket for those people who might be interested in sort of like, should I read this or should I not? What would be your elevator pitch for this great graphic novel? Uh,
1: Maddie's Rocket... Is uh, for those who like mainstream comics. Uh, take the Rocketeer, uh, swap out Cliff Accord, and put little Horn in the main row. That's what it is. Uh, and uh, take Michael Rogers, Flash Gordon, and put a black female you know, lead was like Betsy Coleman in the lead role. It is a retro Afrofuturism. So Afrofuturism is the process, like when you take the word futurism, which is the process of forward thinking, looking forward uh, in terms of technology and modalities, uh, emerging modalities, uh, but applying it through a racial lens specifically an African or an African-American one. That's why it's called Afrofuturist. And Maddie's Rocket is in a subset genre of that called retro Afrofuturist, where I am actually doing uh, a comic book, uh, or in my case, a graphic novel, that is designed to fill in the blanks of work that was not done during the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, where you did not have those 50s B-movies that had the black cast, or you didn't have those... uh, 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 science fiction comics uh, from EC Comics whether it was the black heroic League or uh, you know I, I that's what Maddie's rocket is. So it's filling up all those blanks for blanks for those stories that my parents who were born in the 30s they didn't have that as young kids and I uh, you know or even as teenagers. So that's what Maddie's rocket is doing It's uh, it's, uh um it's almost a kind of a, a, a reverse anthropological study for me. I'm filling in work that wasn't done. I'm doing that. You know and I know that we're, Some things you you do have a little spots of things here and there, but now I'm trying to take it on a much more public level. That's
2: it's really interesting because this idea of I think when people think of Afrofuturism, they do think of it as a sort of far flung future where uh, things are reoriented through sort of African centric uh, landscape. So The Black Panther movie is coming out um, in 2018, that kind of African futuristic landscape or cyborgs in Africa or or a lot of artistic narratives are are like that. Um, But you're sort of talking about a sort of retro feel. And and that's really interesting, um, in part because of what you just said about what your parents didn't get to see. So that sort of taps into my second question I have for you, because. I think one of the things that's really interesting about work like yours is that these there's these intersections in it, right? So your artistic practice sort of intersects with broader questions about race, about the history of African American experience, about communities. I mean, this is a story that's set in Mississippi, uh, where you're from, uh, and then leaps over to Paris, which historically actually makes a certain kind of sense if you know anything about the Black experience. So, what are tell talk a little bit more about how these intersections around the sort of like African American history and experience that you know and your sort of feature story, how you're exploring those and trying to create connections and experiences for the reader.
1: Right, uh, well uh, the African American experience or just the African experience uh, it, uh in general is always about being transported from one place to the next. Uh, and very often against your will or because you have no other choice. Uh, uh, and that's what the African-American experience can be. It's the experience of the migrant, the involuntary migrant very often. And what I wanted to do with Maddie's Rocket is take the lives of, I mean, Harry Tuffin, you know, if she migrated from the South, went up North and kept going back down south to help others migrate up north. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Uh, Bessie Coleman, uh, uh, clean floors and painted nails and all that stuff to be able to eventually go to France to get her license because she couldn't get it in the United States. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what I wanted to do was to take that component of real life of how people, specifically these women, actually live and apply it to this fictional character, who, by the way, is named after my actual real great grandmother. And uh, and I wanted to to uh, uh, as I was told by my my old my late mentor that you can do anything that's out outlandish in your story, but you always have to embed in your story something that's familiar that the audience can grab onto, and, and, and anyone can relate to that, that, the need to say, I have no opportunity here, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave and find an opportunity somewhere else, and that's what Maddie's Rock is about. Uh, it's a very aspirational as
2: well. That's great. That, that really does tap into a, a number of deep sort of cultural questions for African-Americans, but you know, for a broader audience too, this idea of migration is uh, both forced and and migration for opportunity. Um, really, sort of shapes the Black experience. It's really interesting. So this is this is a, a graphic novel, uh, clearly a story in progress. What what would you hope that the public will will get from reading a book like Maddie's Rocket? Uh,
1: well, the first thing is I want them to say the book's beautiful. I want them to look at the book and to feel like, wow, this guy, he didn't just dial it in. He gave us something that is every bit as uh, uh, designed and concepted out as any movie. That's the first thing I want. The second thing I want them to think is I love and give a damn about these characters. I care about what happens to them. Oh my goodness, this is just like my life. And I want them to see the humanity in the characters, the humanity in the narrative situation. Uh, that's what I want them to get. Uh, and then the third thing for me is I want them to feel, because, you know, I, uh, I'll explain very briefly. I, right now, I'm dealing in retro Afrofuturism mm-hmm. for Maddie's Rock, and I intend to do that for many, many years to come because I have at least five stories already mapped out. Much of that already visually mapped out. I just have to start. No, lay it out. I'm already uh, about 30% of the way on book two of Maddie's Rock. But uh, I want people to feel like it has heart. The story has heart. And that this is something that, you know, is not ice cream. Uh, uh, but it's, it's your meal. This is what you sit down to eat your meal with your family. That's what I want Maddie's Rocket to be. I want it to be very much uh, a film, a comic, an animation, but in this case, a graphic novel that is meant for the general public. Yes, if you're right yes, you should be able to re- relate directly. But wherever you come from, whatever your background, that you can pull from it something that means a lot. And that's what I'm hoping that Maddie's Rocket is, is successful at this.
2: Well, I wanna follow up on that because um having read the story like and listened to some of the things you said, like I recognize uh some really classic elements and uh kind of really geeky pulp adventure stories that are in, in, in Maddie's Rocket. If for people who are listening, the Rocketeer is a really good um reference point to, to some of the things that are happening there but there's 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 some twists and turns in the story that are really really smart um some H G Wells uh, kind of turns and I don't want to I don't want to give the story away but just for... give it away man <laughs> <laughs> but for nah, people, no, for, for yeah, people yeah. who are fans of science fiction, um, what they should realize, and what I, you know, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about, is how much you are a fan of like sort of hardcore, good old fashioned science fiction, because it's on the page. And could you talk a little bit about your process of creating that visual, that visual aesthetic? Because it's also, I think, a very striking visually a s- visual experience of uh, looking at Magic Rocket*, right? Like it, it, it looks very particular, right? right. It's got its own aesthetic. And so that's, those are a couple of things I would like to hear, give you a chance to talk a little about.
1: Right. Well, I'm a believer in the idea uh, because, you know, beyond just the uh, comic book artists, the design artists that I grew up with, admiring and loving their work, I'm a huge fan of the outlier to Dave Mazzucchelli who okay. did uh, 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 Rubber Blanket you know this I'm talking about Post back then year one and Daredevil Born again I'm talking about when he did his own books uh, I admire that guy so much because he went his own way and that's what I wanted to do in my work and by way of doing that, I've always been a fan conceptually of George Lucas idea of a used universe of an idea that you can have a rocket ship that looks you know like a an ornate vase, but it's got dirt and grime on, so there's a certain level of grittiness to it. But it still has its idyllic, its, its idealized uh, form. Hmm. So I wanted to do a project, and I hope I'm answering your question here. That it looked Familiar, but has some grit that I would bring to it from my background, right? You mm-hmm. know, it's why you have a scene where Maddie's older and things, you know, yeah, it's 1968, but 1968 didn't have flying ships. They Didn't have that because it's an alternative past. But man, that thing looks oddly enough like it would have existed in the same period as early Star Trek. But then there's something a little weird about it because, the, you know, the landing platform they're on looks like it actually functions, you know what I mean? Those are the type of things that I wanted to do, but I wanted black people to be visible. Chris Lang's film was a masterpiece, but there are no black people. Right. The Day the Earth still is, you know, a great story, but there are no black people. Uh, Forbidden Planet, I love that film. It's a great film. Really poignant story, but there's no black people. You know what I mean? So, I, my job is to, you know, I had this joke that I said, uh, at the, uh, 2017 uh, Black book Day during, uh, uh, panel discussion, I say I put Negroes in spaceships and that's what I do <laughs> of color to coexist aside uh, beside other people and be in those same type of environment. I, uh, environments, I want to fill in that space. And, I, and right now I'm doing it in retro uh, Afrofuturism, but, you know, there's still so much to do that's more forward thinking. Uh, and, and then we'll talk about those projects when you get them
2: oh, I love that answer. Um, our segment here is, is regrettably really short, so we're coming to the end, but I want to give people a chance. If you want to look you up, where would they find you on the web?
1: Uh, right now, what you want to do is you want to go to DieselFunk.com. If it's Twitter, at DieselFunk, STU, to you. If it's Instagram, DieselFunk. Everything is DieselFunk. If you want to go buy Maddie's Rocket in digital or print, is DieselFunk.com. Just hit the store link. Or if you're lazy, go to DieselFunkStore.com. Right, it's all DieselFunk. That's it.
2: And Maddie's Rocket book one is available now uh, and yeah. in, in print it's and bad. in digital forms. And would you say, would you even... Even hit when book two might be available.
1: Yes, book two I intend to be available uh in either the fall season or winter season. Uh, right now, Diesel Funk Studios is on a seasonal release schedule. Okay. The, uh, Maddie's Rocket Book One was released during the winter. Uh, the, now we're about to go into the spring. Uh, we have a children's book coming out called A Look into the Cave. That'll be out in the spring. The summer has a big, you know, 130 page uh uh billion year epic called infinitum which uh I'll show you some pictures of uh, and that one will be out during the summer. Then we have another book that'll be coming out in fall that may or may not be Maddie's rocket book two, but if it's not, then it will be out in the winter, hopefully in time for the black comic book day uh, at Schoenberg, uh 2019. Awesome. In 2019.
2: So, and, and are, and if, if people are looking for you in particular, are you going to be at any shows, any conventions? Or...
1: Yes. We met at the Shumberg, uh, at the uh, uh, planet, Deep South in 2016 uh, and right. I'll be uh, in Texas at Planet Deep South there and I'll be a come week at Prairie View. I'll be doing a road tour in late sep- uh, February through till March. I'll be in Michigan. I'll be passing through some of the Midwestern states and uh, the Southern states. Uh, I will be at the uh, Black Comics Collective BAM show uh, of uh, February 11th. I believe I'll be at that. I'll be tabling at that. The Diesel Funk show along with my twin brother will be there. I'll be selling Mandy's Rocket, and uh, we'll be at Kids Comic Con in April, and more shows being added to the schedule, which uh, we'll have on the website. Right, so if
2: people looking, they can find your schedule at dieselbonk.com as well. And- com. And they can find you on Twitter at, at DieselFunk.com, uh, at DieselFunk, right? DieselFunk, S-D-U. S-D-U, okay. Well, um, thanks for taking the time to talk to me today, Tim. Really appreciate it. Uh, I know the audience for Sci-Fi Pulse Radio. Really appreciate it. Um, and good luck with uh, book two. And, again, really enjoyed book one. Thank you so much, sir. Hey, everybody, this is Daniel Corey, writer of Image Comics Moriarty and Red City and Danger Cats Ludworth, and you are
1: listening to SFP
0: Now. And that's it for this week. Night um, like to thank Julian, as always, for his contribution and, um, you know, one night interview really cool with, um, with Tim Fielder. You know, like um, like a lot of information there, which is really cool. Uh we do apologize for the uh sound quality by the way. We tried to uh clean up clean it up as best as we could, but unfortunately we couldn't. Um if you've liked what you've listened to here, you can actually subscribe to us um using sci-fi Pulse radio on uh iTunes. And um you know, we're hoping to get the get the get the show back onto Stitcher and, and stuff like that. But you know, subscribe to us, you know, help us out, review us, you know. You know, help, help us get to a 1,000 listeners. Um, you know, that, that'd be really cool. If we could get to a 1,000 listeners, we'd be proper made up. And, you know, we might be able to get more guests that way as well. So, you know, if you can help us out and spread the word, that'd be great. Um, anyway, thanks as always for listening, and we'll be back at you again soon with another exciting show.